Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. Episode 159 here. And um, I, I'm trying to figure out, are we talking to a musician or are we talking to an author? It's both. It's both. You're damn right. Who's that talented? The one and only Tim Lee. Yes, yes, yes. A musician yes. Here, we'll put musician and author. Tim yeah. Lee. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't have that CD. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think a lot of people know Tim Lee because of his work with the Windbreakers. Um, but uh, also we've addressed here one of the albums he did with Matt Pucci, Gone Fishing. Yes, yes. Um, and then he but, did Tim Lee 3 and he's currently doing Bark with his wife. Exactly. I yeah. mean, his story... Is one with new chapters, new musical chapters constantly being added. And <clears throat> for those of you who like a good read, and you know, Jeff and I are convinced that so many musicians that we've talked about should be writing books because they all have great stories. Absolutely. Tim Lee, hands down, has some really good ones, and his story is a compelling one. And um, I know I don't know too much about the Southern music scene, you know, that Gulf Coast music scene. Um, and so I'm, I really appreciate the book um, that Tim's given us, but I wanna give everybody this little uh, quote and it's from his foreword okay. of, uh, I saw a dozen faces, the diary of an ever was. <laughs> and it starts like this. So he basically is setting the scene that a number of people have asked him, have told him he should be writing a book. And he says, and I'm quoting here, but how would I ever have the time to even start such an overwhelming project? Turns out all I needed was a global pandemic to open up my social and musical calendar. Wow. <laughs> so here it is, the diary of a never was. My intention is not to present a straight memoir or autobiography, although there is plenty of that among these scribblings. Nor am I interested in ax grinding or reliving old grudges. I'm too old for that crap. <laughs> Besides, I never got cynical enough to lose sight of the joy in this racket. Yes. And then he continues a little further. Specifically, this is my story as I remember it. More broadly, I'm sure there are many others that parallel mine either chronologically or in spirit. I'm certainly not the only kid that ever dove into rock and roll with an electric guitar in a dream. And I hope I'm not the last. Really, I just wanted to explore this simple question. What makes a man start bands? The longhand version of that query is what compels a person to climb in a van and drive around to play music, make records, and try to win folks over well past their metaphorical and chronological sell-by date? <laughs> Spoiler alert, the answer is because it's fun. Nice. I'd like to think there's more to it than that, but who knows? I guess we'll see. Nice. nice. So I'm really excited. And we also have a guest host with us. Who is it, Jeff? We're, again, we're welcoming back Ronnie Barnett of The Must because Ronnie was definitely begging for us to do this episode, which was something we already wanted to do. So it didn't take much coercing, but we're uh, having Ronnie back on to help us um, with this discussion with Tim Lee about his book, I Saw a Dozen Faces. All right, so let's get started. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. 
Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. All right, sorry. So we're super excited today. This is one that we've been wanting to do for a couple months here. And welcome back, Tim. We ha- had you on the discussion when we were talking about gone fishing, but that was just a little part of your musical history as this book um, demonstrates. So uh, today we'll be talking to Tim Lee, who wrote this fabulous book. Um, I saw a dozen faces. Um, oh, and Sarai's them all. Sarai's <laughs> got that CD, which we want to talk about in a little bit. Which which I don't have. Um, so welcome back, Tim Lee, to this, the, this discussion about your book that was released um, November of last year, 2021. Um, self-published? Yeah, definitely. Cool Dog Sound is Tim Lee. Yes, it is. Well, it's actually <laughs> Tim and Susan because, you know, she knows how to do a lot of stuff that I don't know how to do. <laughs> so you can't take all the credit on this yeah, she, she did the graphic design and all that's that's her specialty excellent so before we uh had you guys join the call soraya and i were talking about the fact that there's not many people that are musicians and authors and some musicians should not necessarily be authors and some authors should definitely not be musicians so we're dealing with somebody here who's very talented in both um thank you if this book is any indication. So Soraya, we've been talking a lot about game theory. I think um, as a transition, I think you had a a quote that Scott Miller said about uh, the Windbreakers, specifically a Bobby song, but we can use that as a way of transition into this discussion with Tim. Sounds good. So in Music What Happened, this entry about Visa cards and antique mirrors by the Windbreakers. The inspired, grungy, mid-rangey production here has the same mojo as LMNOP's amazing Forever Through the Sun single, buzzy, sustained lead guitar to horrify 80s ears, and DX7 bell sound as a peace offering. The jangly eccentricity of Bobby Sutliff was always a bit of a strange match for Tim Lee's high-energy indie garage rock, but it could all sometimes really hit with fascinatingly explosive musicality, like on this Bobby number. There you go. <laughs> My God, Soraya, please, please don't uh, treat that book that way. You're killing me there. <laughs> the I full mean, wraparound. That's a <laughs> especially when that thing goes for over a hundred bucks. Exactly, it's a hundred dollar book for, for Christ's sake. So, anyways, Tim, welcome. Um, well, there's uh, multi faceted um, uh, areas to your career with some of the bands that you've been involved with. Um, We talked about Gone Fishing, um, of course, the Windbreakers, Beat Temptation, Howard and Tim's Paid Vacation. You're part of the sci-fi love story. Um, um, Tim Lee or Tim Lee 3, which now Bark, um, which is fantastic. If you guys get a chance to see Bark live, uh, I had an opportunity. It was absolutely fantastic. But today we want to talk about the book and I think, Soraya, uh, uh, you were able to share that, um, like a lot of people, um, Tim, you were, you've been approached for years by friends saying that you should write a book. And um, it sounds like you had an unusual opportunity that only comes around <laughs> every hundred years or so with this pandemic. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. It was just one of those things where I just figured if I was ever going to have time to do it, then was it. 
and so I just got up every morning before I did anything else and put in an hour or so and and I just wrote and wrote and wrote and the next thing you know there was 80,000 words and 33 chapters or whatever it is wow had you kept notes I really enjoyed it had you kept notes over the years Tim or did you just start from scratch like I started from, more or less started from scratch. I, I dug back through like some old blog posts and stuff and found some things that I wanted to use, but that was pretty minor. But uh, I mean, I did consult friends, you know, like, of course, I wouldn't tell anybody I was writing a book. That's like so presumptuous. But I'd be like, yeah, I'm working on this project. Do you remember this tour we did together in 1987? <laughs> and they'd all go, yeah, I got a ton of memories. Go like, cool, tell me about it. And they go like, yeah, I don't really remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> So it was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the, because uh, you, 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 you do start from the beginning and you were in band. We'll get to the windbreakers, of yeah. course. Um, yeah. But uh, you were in some rock bands uh, early on. Uh, tell us a little about, about your, your rock bands, what songs you would play and uh, what, what your hair looked like. <laughs> my hair was fantastic <laughs> i totally had like the white boy fro in high school uh, nice. but the uh you know where i grew up in jackson mississippi as a teenager in the 70s there were no original bands around there and so you know you just played in cover bands and that's what it was and so you know i played guitar and my friend benny played guitar so we were really into like guitar stuff so we played but we had a singer uh Lisa's so we did a lot of heart and Fleetwood Mac and stuff but you know Benny and I would of course we could do all side three of Thin Lizzy Live and Dangerous <laughs> and uh, so because I mean you know as a teenage guitar player I was totally into it but then you know I'd still I'd go home and listen to Patti Smith and the Ramones and go I want to do this kind of thing but you know you just played what you played and uh, what other people were willing to play as well and I mean, it was great kind of training, you know, because you <laughs> you end up, especially in the deep south, playing redneck bars in the middle of nowhere, you kind of prepares you for anything else that comes later. <laughs> true, true. So you were doing those dual uh, lead, then Lizzie, guitar lines? Oh, totally, yeah. We oh, wow. spent hours working those things out, you know. <laughs> so would you be the melody lead or the harmony lead? I uh, whichever part Benny told me to play, he was a lot better at that stuff than me. <laughs> I tell him, you work it out and tell me which part to play, and I'm there. <laughs> nice, nice. Soraya, one of the stories that you really liked um had to do um with Matt Pucci. And um we we were talking about gone fishing at one point, but there's a a pre-gone fishing story, I think. There's a band. They had one shot, one night. That's it. Oh, yeah. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Pucci. That's it. And a hell, hell of a set list. Jeff, listen to this. Covers of television, Neil Young, Love, and Donovan's Atlantis. That's right. Well, yeah, that's, a badass, we, that's a badass group right there. Yeah, well, it was while we were making Gone Fishing and... Um, there was this neighborhood bar around the corner from my house called CS's and we hung out there a lot, you know, after the sessions. And I was, so one night we were hanging out there and Bobby Sutliff was there and then Bruce Golden who played drums on Gone Fishing was in Beat Temptation and stuff. We were hanging out and, and somebody pointed out that the Primatons were going to be playing like 
two days from then at the at this local dive bar. And so we were like, great, we're opening. <laughs> so we just decided we were going to do it and we did. And yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was <clears throat> completely a mess, but completely fun. And, and of course, any chance to see the Primatons was magic. Nice. Yeah, they're one of the great lost bands. I really love those Primatons records. I never saw them live, but um. yeah, I mean, I was we played tons of shows. They were like our brother band because they were like the closest band in the Deep South, being in Birmingham, and we did tons of stuff together. And they stayed at my house all the time. And I just, you know, I can talk about that band all day. That's it, one of my all-time favorites. And they had a member with a big uh, white afro as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Mott's hair could get out of hand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So, Tim, I wanted to talk about your writing style. So it's very impressive, your writing style. Um, did, did you have any kind of literary background? It's very well written. Well, thank you. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big literature fan. And um, but and I used to write, I did magazine work for years. This is my day gig. And um, oh, that's so, Ronnie's thing. Yeah, and I, but, I, but I also edited magazines. And so, so I really kind of treated the book like I was putting a magazine together and every chapter was a feature story kind of. But, you know, I definitely wanted to have a consistent voice, you know, and, and I guess if I was looking to anybody for the voice, it was probably the, the voice Kinky Friedman uses in all of his, uh, mm. you know, he has these novels that are, you know, private eye stories and the, but the private eye is kinky you know he's it's, it's him as the main character and I love and I probably stole a bunch of quotes from him too because I, I just love his, the tone <laughs> of voice in that and so I kind of did my sort you know kind of backwoods version of that no it's very very well written the book reads uh, like yeah definitely somebody who is very intelligent um, as well as um, a great storyteller Yes. And I think those are some key elements that you need. Ronnie, I know, Ronnie, you're much a much more extensive reader than me. Uh, you, you read more than yeah. four, four books a year. I, <laughs> I do. I do. No, 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 it's a great it's a very conversational style, Tim. It's like you're hanging at a bar with you and uh, you're just kind of laying out your life here. It's it is really well written. It's funny. And it's it's, you know. Well, that was the intention. I mean, yeah. it should have been, you know, I wanted it to be conversational like that. And I, I you know, I read a lot of literature, but I read a lot of what I call, you know, rock, rock books, and I love them, you know, but the, the, and I really like the ones by lesser known people, you know, like I could kind of care less about the Pete Townsend book, you know, yeah. or the Neil Young book, you know, but give me Amy Rigby's book and I'm all about it, or, yeah. you know, the Paul Collins book, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the books that I really found inspirational um, was called Aching to Be, and it was by this woman named Joyce Raskin who played in a band in New England called uh, Scarce, that hmm. a fellow from here in Knoxville, Chick Granning was the front man of, and they were on the, they were like a 90s thing, very much on the verge of making it, and they were touring with Hole and all this stuff, and, and Chick had a brain aneurysm, and it just kind of sidetracked the whole thing, and, and she self-published this really great book that I just, Susan just happened to see it when it came out and ordered it, and otherwise I would have never seen it, but it's just, a fantastic you know telling of the story from somebody who had never written a book and they self-published and just did, just it was really great and it was really you know one of the most it probably has inspired me as much as anything because seeing somebody do that and not be 
you know, Jimmy Page at school, you know. Yeah. So, so some of us other people have good rock stories too, not just the yeah. big people. Yeah, no, that, that book sounds fantastic. <laughs> I gotta find that. There's there's also one, I forgot her name, but the drummer of a band called the Student Teachers in New York City. Oh yeah, the, um, the, the girl behind the drums. Yes, yes, thank yes. you. That's I read that one too. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> that's exactly what I'll, you know, if I'm yeah, that's my favorite kind of book, you know. Yeah, no, same, yeah, same here. So yeah. So Tim, was the thought always to self-publish or were you shopping it around or? I more or less figured I was going to self-publish. I have friends who were involved in some academia and they were like, oh, well, you know, you should send it to this university press and blah, blah, blah. And I talked to a couple of people and it just sounded like a lot of jumping through hoops. You know, we got to do peer review and all this. I'm like, this is not an academic book. This is a, it's a dumb rock book, you know? And, <laughs> and it. <clears throat> And it's also, I also kind of had that punk rock spirit of it. It needed to come out now, not after a year of talking about it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. The only thing, and I, I mean, I would have loved to have done something like that simply to have had another copy editor work on it, you know, because um, I, I like that kind of thing. And because I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm real happy with the way it turned out and I'm proud of it. You know, I feel like it could be tightened up a tiny bit, but I'm not the person to do that. <laughs> So that would have been cool to have somebody tighten it up a little bit, but I'm I'm totally happy the way it worked out. It sold way, way more than I ever expected it would. I mean, I thought, you know, I'd sell a handful and I'd be happy and, and it sold several handfuls. So <laughs> Great. Did Susan have to edit a lot of stuff out of this or is it pretty much? No, she you know, not where she was actually got me to add stuff. I mean, you know, okay. but she would read yeah. it and go, well, aren't you going to put that story about such and such in there? Why didn't you do that? And I was like, because uh, I didn't remember. Thanks. I better write that down. You know? <laughs> so she was super helpful that way. And, uh, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, because, you know, it's a lifetime of stuff and you're just kind of going through and you, you get fixated on one story and it makes you forget another one. And yeah. so, you know, but then some of my friends that, you know, guys that I hang out with from time to time, I was like, come on, what stories do I bore you with? Remind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Our friends will remember things that, that we don't, you know, and speaking of Susan, you know, at the heart of this book, it's a love story. It's the love story between you two. It runs all through this book. I mean, you guys met a long time ago, correct? Yeah. And yeah, we've been together for 41 years or something, but yeah. It's funny, I didn't think of it that way until my friend R.B. Morris read like an early draft of it. And that was what that was the first thing he said. It was like, well, yeah, it's a, it's a love, it's a rock and roll story, but it's a love story. And I was like, you know, you're right, you know. But <clears throat> as I said, you know, there's no way I would have done anything that I did without having had Susan's support and help with all this. Because, I mean, we really are, you know, two two half asses that make up a whole person <laughs> right well like, like you know I'm, I'm a quarter ass she's like three quarters so he's like, <laughs> she pulls it together exactly <laughs> no i mean it's a good, we're a good team and and uh but yeah it's she was always you know she didn't start playing till like 20 years ago but prior to that she was always part of like our you know her homemade labels and stuff always involved so the uh which is natural but yeah it was and you know and then in the what i think i think of the book kind of as in thirds and like the last third is once she started playing and and all of that so 
but yeah, it is a little story. So when the when the rights get sold for the movie, they're they're probably going to focus on the love story part, right? I'm sure. <laughs> this actually would be a great movie. It actually it actually really would be, because um, you've been through comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, yeah, of course. But again, at the heart, that love story. But uh, yeah. yeah, you've been through a, a a lot of a lot of groups and a lot of uh, incarnations of groups, and even mm-hmm. your solo work. Um, and it's all here. Um, let's go back to the Windbreakers. Like, um, how, how I know Bobby was an arrival band, but how did you, uh, how how did you and Bobby Sutliff decide to form this power pop group, the Windbreakers? Well, you know, we like I said, but we spent a lot of time hanging out, just listening to these records. You know, Big Star and Flaming Groovies and Dwight Twilly, Shoes and whatnot. And I, I'm trying to remember that, but yeah, I think my band was in the process of breaking up and Bobby quit his band and he just called me and said, if the way I remembered, he just called me and was like, all right, we're going to do the band. I'm like, all right, cool. And so um, we did. And again, we were still in that situation where everybody was playing cover songs. So, you know, but, but we already knew like a million Beatles songs or whatever. So we could play as long as you needed us to. Yeah, but we were always working our songs in and always working towards, you know, making a record of sorts. And uh, so, you know, it was just a natural thing. We were buddies and, you know, still are. I mean, always, you know, it's like I think I said in the book, even we, we always hung out even when we didn't get along, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, and it was always called the Windbreakers, Tim? Oh, yeah. World's worst name in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it was like, oh, yeah, it was a bad joke that stuck. <laughs> and this, the, name, the name came because we were before we started the band and we were in, a, you know, opposing bands. I guess we played at a party at somebody's house and just kind of a thrown together thing, which was very much a Jackson tradition because there were a lot of us that knew a common group of Beatles and Chuck Berry and Rolling Stones songs and kink songs and whatever. And so we did that at a a party. And so we just called it the windbreakers as a joke. And then when we started a band, (laughs) somehow it stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it definitely set you apart. I'm sure from the uh, hard rock bands of of Jackson at the time. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then I want to talk, I do have the first seven inch somewhere, but your first TP here, um, it, it comes in a basically an inner sleeve. Like this right. is not. <laughs> That's all we could afford. Right. Is that is that why? Okay. okay. Oh, absolutely. That's all we could afford. Um, and surprise, we we sprung for a second color. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, are... we, it was so budget, man. Um, no, and if you find one of these in a record store now, I mean, th- these are hard to uh, keep in decent shape. Let's face it. Uh, oh yeah, they are. <laughs> but it's you know, it's still my favorite record we ever made. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, no, no, no. I just listened to it. It, it really does hold up. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. There we go. Yep. Now, music like that's timeless, right? So, um, yeah. And you and you and you and Bobby, uh, obviously, Jeff kind of touched on it, but you guys had very different style songwriting styles. But mm-hmm. somehow, somehow, it works. It, it's a band. It sounds like a band. It doesn't sound like your songs and his songs um, necessarily. Yeah, it, you know, we 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 kind of came from the same place you know, literally and figuratively, but, you know, musically, we had this sort of same touchstones. Um, we were just very different in how we do everything. Like when Bobby writes a song, he hears the whole thing in his head, like what every part is going to be. And 
I come up with chords and words and throw it at people and go, what do you got? And so <laughs> it's, a, you know, so I really enjoy the collaborative part and, and Bobby's more of a, you know, chord, write sort of a complete thing. And um, so, but it worked fine. You know, we'd go in the studio and, but you know, like if I played on a Bobby song tomorrow, I'd know exactly what, what he would want me to do. And because I've done it and, but he, you know, I also know what he would want to keep for himself to do. And whereas I'm just like, every part's up for anybody, you know, what do you got? Um, yeah. You know, so um, yeah, we're very, very different people, but we, 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 for some reason we can work together and it works out just fine. Yeah. So. And, and you've reunited several times. I mean, the windbreakers have come and gone many times over the years, but you still kind of end up together every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about it from time to time. We just live so far apart. It's kind of tough. And, you know, it's not like the windbreakers doing something is the kind of thing that's going to generate, you know, the money to fly people around the country and stuff. Right. So it's, you know, we got together and I guess it was eight, 2018 and played a benefit for a friend of ours who was real sick. And, um, you know, and, but I'm sure somewhere along the line, something will happen. We, you know, if you stop and think about it, this year is the 40th anniversary of Meet the Windbreakers, and next year is the 40th anniversary of Any Monkey. So, uh, hey, dog, hush up. <laughs> the world's Aww. oldest basset hound is talking to me. <laughs> I mean, to me, it sounds like cool, cool dog sounds, right? Oh, yeah. There you go. He's adding backing, backing vocals. So, Soraya, yeah. before we were uh, talking about the fact that we wanted to tease the book as much as possible so uh, folks would go out and buy it because we know that a lot of our listeners will love it just as much as we did but we didn't want to tell all the stories right because <laughs> then what's the point but there was a uh, speaking of the windbreakers and this was towards the end there was one that you wanted to to share particularly wasn't there the the quote i mentioned before yeah, yeah. okay so sorry give me a quick second but for those that don't have it, please go out and buy this book because it's filled with all kinds of fabulous stories. Uh, you know, Jim, one of the things that I really like, uh, your style is so conversational, so it's really easy to get, to just start and then get lost in, in the stories. And there are a lot of really good ones. And please don't sleep on it because smack dab in the middle of the story, he's going to drop something on you that you're like, wait, did that just happen? Uh, <laughs> for example, an encounter with Lou Reed. <laughs> and, and it just like it comes and goes and then you go wait 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 and then you go back and you find you discover something else something else but this is the quote I was uh, referring to and um, I just like how you reflect back on okay. your own musicianship and uh, he says I never picked up a guitar because I thought I'd make a dollar from it I only ever did it because it was cool I wanted to be part of the bigger thing that was going on outside our little town and I was getting impatient. It was high time to stop following convention and start cutting my own trail. So I quit the band. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, I, was, I thought that was a really good chapter ending. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, again, it's that thing of, you know, and I think a lot of people in small towns and different areas probably went through this, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, where, you know, 
like in my town, you know, like I said, there were no original bands and, but, you know, you would go to New Orleans to see some touring act, you know, and like you go see Marshall Crenshaw and there'd be some local, you know, power trio that opened that was pretty cool or, you, you know, so you realize that people elsewhere were doing this thing. And so you just, and again, the thing about the dollar is when I told people, let's just ditch this stupid cover band thing and play our songs. They go like, well, how are we gonna get paid? It's like, well, again, I didn't do this because I thought I'd get paid. I did this because it was an incredibly cool thing and I want it to be cooler. So, yeah. you know, you know, and literally, so, you know, Jackson didn't have touring bands and clubs till Susan and I started booking them and we brought Green on Red and Rain Parade and all these people to town. And, uh, <clears throat> And so, you know, you, you had to take drastic measures to make things happen. And, and I, and I love, I mean, and looking back on it, I love it because it was, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been nearly as cool if I'd lived somewhere like Athens where there was already tons of cool stuff going on. It was kind of, uh, when you have to build something from the ground up, I think there's something a little more meaningful about it. So, you know. I just wanted to add one other thing. I'm a native Californian, so I really appreciated a lot of the stories here because you told, you gave me a vision of a scene mm -hmm. that I had no idea about. Right. And as you start to kind of weave in stories of Mitch Easter, Let's Active, the DBs, Windbreaker, and you know, uh, Beat Temptation, all these other uh, projects you worked on or, or people you worked with. I have a bigger picture. I have a better picture now of that scene. So you just opened up the Gulf Coast to me musically. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I'm uh, appreciative of it. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great scene in its own way. And, you know, when you went on tour, you played with your friends, you played with game theory, you played with dump truck, you played with, you know, the people that were doing the same thing you were on, you know, one way or another. And, uh, so it was, it was all, you know, like, I can remember like running into bands at truck stops, you know, <laughs> like, oh, look, it's those guys. And they go, oh, it's those guys. And you, you know, <laughs> say, hey, at the truck stop, and then they, you'd go north, they'd go south. And um, so it was, you know, it was still the ground floor of sort of the American independent scene. But it was, to me, it was really exciting. I, I, you know, I don't know if I even, if I conveyed that enough in the book, but just how exciting it was to be part of that. And, um, you know, and again, being around all these people that I admired and looked up to and, and, you know, cause you know, the first time I went on tour was playing in Let's Active and, you know, they were at their, they were like really popular. And so, through that, I met everybody whose records I liked just about. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I, you know, Mitch Easter has just, you know, been one of the greatest people to know all these years. Cause he's a fantastic guy in addition to like an amazing talent on so many levels. And to be able to make records with him early, early on, like, you know, the first time we were, first few times we recorded with him, we're at the original drive-in when it was like a one car garage. And this guy could get so many amazing sounds out of a one car garage with minimal equipment just because he knew what he was doing and he had this real adventurous spirit and 
you know, if you sat down and went like, how do they get that sound on that Bo Brummel's record? He'd go, oh, well, they just did this and this, you know, and because he just had a, he had, he does, he has great instincts for sounds and how to get them and stuff. So it was, a, you know, I can't say enough about the influence he was, but just the experience of all these years of being around him, you know, and, and he's just one of all these people. And there were so many people like that. So it was, it was a great time to be around, you know. Only downside is like now yeah. 100 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to be that young you, again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you filled those 100 years with a lot of, lot of good, good, good stuff, Tim. Um, yeah, we, I, we should say that the, the chunk you write about touring with Let's Active as the uh, additional member is uh, there's, there's great stories uh, about that. Yeah, you, uh, you lived large on that tour, Tim, or on those tours. <laughs> well, I, I, I did my best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, Tim, um, my first musical exposure to you was uh, picking up Terminal by the Windbreakers, which I still think is a masterpiece. I absolutely love that album. That's my favorite by far. Yeah, Yeah. it's fantastic. (laughs) Every song on there is fantastic. Both both you and Bobby just really excel in their songwriting wise. But my first visual of seeing you, Tim, was on the cutting edge um when yeah. let's, let's active was on there and you guys are playing in the field behind a barn i think yeah that was behind that was behind mitch's uh parents house where the okay. drive-in was oh, ah, oh okay. wow wow yeah so yeah. peter Zarimba is singing along with you guys and you're the, you're playing guitar that, that was my first visual of tim lee right there so Thanks. well yeah we were playing shaken street by the mc5 exactly oh. exactly <laughs> yeah yeah and that's still i get shared on my facebook page about once a year so yeah <laughs> it's a great clip yeah fantastic hair on that on that video i will say well thank you i it was you know <laughs> growing out of its uh, afro phase more to the, like it's dylan-esque phase but yeah. <laughs> now i'm just lucky some of it's still there <laughs> yeah i mean so, the cutting edge was was hugely important to uh people like me and jeff growing up jesus oh absolutely i mean and, and that was a thing uh, you know it was something that susan and i watched every week and to actually be on there was cool. And, you know, they gave me a free cutting edge t-shirt, which I think I wore till it rotted off, you know, <laughs> like it just fell off one day. It was so rotten. <laughs> so Ronnie with the, the muffs, did you have, so the muffs came a little bit later than this, this, the windbreaker tours. Um, did you also have these experiences uh, running into bands at truck stops? Uh, yeah. The thing I remember is just, you'd be on the, you'd be on the freeway and you'd, you'd immediately recognize, oh, that's a band in this band. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can tell, you could tell a band band, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, truck stops. Oh, Jeff, don't give me PTSD here. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm just thinking, Ronnie, from your perspective, reading this the bathrooms. Book. Oh my God, the bathrooms. <laughs> I remember once we stopped at a rest stop and I, I chose to use the woods behind the rest stop instead of the rest stop. <laughs> that says a lot yeah exactly yeah so ronnie i'm really glad that you're here with us today because your perspective reading this book versus sarayan and my perspective is probably much different because being in a touring band there's probably some some of these stories that you can absolutely relate to um, were any of these stories do they like um bring up some uh ex- some of your personal experiences or any of them that like really stood out to you or, or the opposite, anything that you were like, Whoa, that never happened to us. Um, well, I mean, a little, a little of both, but yeah, um, the, uh, 
it's fun. The, the stories that stick out uh, as far as playing gigs and Tim can probably relate are the gigs that are really good. And then the ones that are really bad. And he, he describes the really bad, you know, ones where there's no, you know, nobody there and, and you're told to go on and play and that kind of stuff. And, um, and they're, they're always in like, you know, Arkansas or something. Uh, no, no offense uh, to that neck of the woods, uh, Tim. Uh, but you know, you can't play Chicago every gig, right? You got to, uh, well, you got to yeah, make your like, way. Yeah, you got to make your way to the big cities. And uh, yeah, there's the weekend, and then there's Tuesday night in Pittsburgh. Is what yeah, I yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, quote, that quote to me is perfect. Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, just, I still use it all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but in our case, you know, we ended up on the major label early, and so we had tour support, and so we didn't. We we slept in hotels, so that's yeah, you guys, that's a you huge. Guys, you guys played to yeah. several dozen people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We played to several dozen people. Um, you know, but um, the accommodations—that's the thing that uh, <laughs> was always uh, most important to me. Where are we going to sleep tonight? You know. Um, hey, and there's less. Of, there's less of us too. There are only three of us. So. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one thing that I did want to bring up, but I'm kind of leery about it since it's no longer available. And Soraya held up the CD. So um, the original copies of the book, um, you included this uh, CD, Tim, which are now long gone because by the time I tried to order it, the CDs were gone. So I had to order from the big A, my personal copy. But um, can you talk about putting the CD together as a com companion to the book? Yeah, it just seemed like a good idea, you know. Um, it was kind of interesting trying to cover, you know, almost 40 years in, uh, in 78 minutes or whatever it is. So I probably, I think, as I remember, I did a lot of like, I'd make a list, then I would change and go, oh, I should put this instead of that. And then some things I just put it on there because I, I put it on there because I wanted to, because maybe they were a little less available or a little more obscure. Um, but I also, I did want it to play through kind of convincingly, you know, <laughs> and not just be completely herky-jerky all over the place. Um, but, uh, you know, again, that was, it was probably Susan's idea. It was, she's good with that, but to do it. And then, um, you know, it was fun to go through it all and listen to stuff and figure out what might make kind of a cohesive listening experience. Was there any thought, or reason behind having a very limited run of that? Was it like a financial or just you wanted it to be limited? So there's only- Yeah, it, it was to, to go with the pre-sales and we limited it to 200. And um, just because, you know, and you can still, you know, you can still access the, the, the whole playlist on Bandcamp. But um, yeah, it was just, you know, that's something we've always done with pre-sales of our stuff is tried to offer limited edition things. Um, you know, like, like your public radio station, it gives you the, the premium, you know, yeah. we, we, think of, we actually think of it in those kind of terms, but you know, um, I honestly thought nobody would buy the CD <laughs> and cause I thought we'd end up doing 50 of them or something. And we, we cut it off at 200. So. Um, no, great. I slipped right in there at the end and got one. So I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just missed out on that because it was I checked and it was still available. And by the time payday came around, it was gone. And that was like three days later. So. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, my Amazon credit paid off. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> you could do another run of them, Tim. That'd be a good uh, good thing to sell on the road. 
I don't well, mean to true. be your manager right now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll sign up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's a great retrospective of your career, right? It's oh, well, a, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people should people sh- should get, well, go to Bandcamp and listen. Yeah. <laughs> listen to it. yeah. But uh, yeah, I learned from the book, Tim, there's a, there's a Tim Lee record I didn't know existed. It's the one you made, um, I guess, in the early 90s, and it, and it lost its home and ended up coming out a, a few years later in Europe only. Um, I still don't yeah, have that. Thrill Parade. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I made that one. Yeah, I made that in '89 and or '88, and with Gene Holder and Will Rigby from the DBs. And I was really felt like I was kind of at my peak. You know, I was I felt really good about what I was doing, and of course, I loved working with those guys. They're just hilarious and just so much fun. And we created this thing that I was super happy with. And then the label folded and it sat in limbo for so long. And, and that probably had as much to do with me getting away from things for a while as anything. That was such a huge disappointment because um, I just felt so strongly about that record. And I still really like it. I'm, you know, I'm still real happy with it. And, you know, every now and then think about reissuing it or something, but you know, but I mean, it got so far as we had test pressings for the album and everything. And then it just, oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, yeah, our work was, it was all done, you know, and then it just, then it was gone. So, oh, that's well, that would be, that would be a good reissue, uh, I'd say. Cause, uh, yeah, never seen, I got, I, I should look on Discogs. It's somebody's yeah. probably got it. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not, I don't think they're that hard to find. Um, I mean, maybe that's changed, but it used to be I'd come across them every now and then if they were, cheap i would buy one just to have (laughs) right 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 because i mean the label never even the the french label never even sent me one you know danny beard gave me one from wax and facts (laughs) (laughs) uh the 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 person in the band is always the last to get copies of stuff yeah (laughs) yeah yeah they never think of yeah um okay so you say yeah you brought up how that kind of put you put you off uh doing it for a while what what got you uh what got you going again? Just the, the love? You missed it? Really, it, um, more than anything, was Susan starting to play, you know? Yeah. Um, she woke up one day and said, I want to learn how to play bass. And six months later, she was on stage. I mean, she's a natural. And uh, I had kind of, you know, reconciled myself to stuff and was feeling like, you know, maybe getting into it. But then all of a sudden, I had a reason to do it. and And it really gave me a chance to you know, like, I don't think it, were, it gave her a chance to do all this stuff that she had been on the sidelines for before. And for me, I got to see it all through a different, you know, set of eyes. And so it was really rewarding that way to, for us to do all this stuff that I'd already done, but for us to do it together. And, you know, Susan's totally into it. She's great traveling complete road dog, you know, she's, <laughs> like, like she gets on the road, she's like, I'm just one of the guys, you know, and uh, <clears throat> yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's, that was, that was it, and uh, it's been pretty rewarding. Yeah, also, you don't have to audition all these pesky musicians, right? To, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, yeah, we went from a four-piece band to a three-piece band, and then just a two-piece band. <laughs> <laughs> So I did want to talk a little bit about Bark, um, the, the two-piece band that you do with your wife, Susan. Um, so 
Tim, you're a very, very good guitar player. So you're, you're very, very talented. And I noticed with um, the bark stuff, I all, if not most of it, you're playing the baritone guitar, right? It's, well, it's, it's a bass six, which is actually lower than a baritone guitar. It's a, it's a, it's a six string guitar. That's a whole octave lower. So you can, you, yeah, you get both ranges, you know, as an accomplished guitar player, did that, so that had to have changed how you approached music. Was it like opening up a whole new, a whole new thing as far as songwriting for you, playing that, the basics? Uh, absolutely. You know, it just, uh, you know, you just had to have changed the approach altogether. The, uh, you know, because you're, in essence, in most instances, I'm playing bass and guitar at the same time on, on some level. Or, and uh, so it's just, you know, but it was fun. It was a challenge. And uh, that, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a, it's, it's a challenge sometimes, but it, that's part of the fun is the challenge. Yeah. And the two of you, the, from the videos I've seen and, and the one live show that when, that you guys did when you were out here, it looks like the two of you are just having a blast playing. Oh, we do. Absolutely. You know, and that's, I mean, with that, if I if I can have that, why would I not play? You know, <laughs> right. it's just it's there's a lot of joy in it, and that's um, you know that's what I want out of this. I don't you know that's that's all I want out of this stuff is the joy of of making racket, you know, with the people you care about. So I think that's something that definitely comes across in the book is the joy of playing, um, especially when when you're the guy that didn't make it right yeah in in your own words oh yeah no that's uh yeah you know a, a long ago got comfortable with this notion of oh the guy that should have made it it's so you rare did, you did make it though tim i mean you you like you know these windbreakers records your solo records they got around and you got press you know yeah. the people the people that know your work you know, love your work. So, well, thank you. I, I, you know, I have nothing to complain about. I, I joke about it, but you know, it's, yeah. I mean, the title of the book, I saw a dozen faces and I wrote yeah, them yeah. all. I mean, that's, <laughs> that kind of tells you I've got a pretty good sense of humor about it up front. Absolutely. Right. And then every time I hear that title, I get a Bon Jovi in my head. So, <laughs> thanks for that. I, I did it for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, we wanted to. Thank you for coming on and thank you for all the stories that you have in here. And definitely for our listeners there, Sarai and I had set out, um, Ronnie, when you, when you weren't talking to, to us before, uh, and, and it was your idea to do this, Ronnie, let's just say, let's point that out. But when Sarai and I started talking about like our, <laughs> our agenda, our agenda is to, to try to sell the book because there's a lot of stories in here that yeah. we really, we really enjoyed. So we, we wanted to touch on some of them. Um, and, uh, and tease some, Soraya, you mentioned the quick little Lou Reed story that we're not going to say what happened. You need to know it. The whole sentence long. Exactly, exactly. A quick encounter. As, as most Lou Reed encounters, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Tim, if one of our listeners doesn't have the book already and would like it, where can they go? Um, Bulldogsound.com. We'll add a link. Yeah. on our facebook and social media pages but That'd be great this um, is a fun it's a good read good read and, so. and for people that have to go to the larger you know their online retailers that you can get it from so 
including and, and all if, the big independent, ones. You know, I, independent, some independent bookstores have it, but it's also the kind of thing if you order it through good, I think it's goodreads.com portion of it goes to independent bookstore. So I'm all about that stuff. Yeah. And, and like that Scott Miller book that you showed, Soraya, buy if something's on a small press or self-release like this, you need to buy it now because uh, I don't know how long you'll keep this in print, Tim, but like, you know, they, they, they tend to go away and get very yeah. valuable. So, Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So you still have some. Okay, good. I do. Buy, but yeah. buy the book, people. Yeah. And the companion uh, playlist, as Tim mentioned before, can be found on Bandcamp. Bandcamp, yeah. It, 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 I think it's it, Bandcamp, Cool Dog Sound. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll share that link as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's easy to find stuff in a search these days. Like, yeah. yeah. Always say, when you see a, a band t shirt and they put like .com on there, it's like, we, we get, we, we can find <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> we know how to type your name in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I won't put dot com on my t-shirts anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <Yeah. laughs> Total old man thing to do. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tim. We really appreciate you coming back to talk to thank us. And, uh, yeah. And um, and thank you for putting this out because uh, yeah. this is a great read. Um, thank you. Yeah. And like I like I mentioned at the top of the discussion, not all musicians should be writing books, but. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm glad that Tim Lee did. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and our, all right, love Tim. And, our love and respect to Susan too. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And good to meet you, Tim. We'll uh, we'll we'll meet in person one day. We'll have a beer. We'll do it. All right. All right, buddy. All right. Y'all have a good one. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Right. Oh, now the. Uh... Anyway, Tim, huh? Can you believe? Oh, sorry, he was still there. <laughs> <laughs> The, trying to make it seem like we're gonna yeah talk wow. shit about him ronnie we, we are thank you, thank you for putting this on our to-do list because first of no, all it's yeah. a great book it's a great book it really is but he is just a really cool person great musician very cool very cool and um yeah like we like we said over and over i mean this book is just it's a fast read well for most of us yeah um it's a, it's a quick read because it's it is a i hate to use a cliche page turner but it really does you do you do want to keep going and see what happens and and tim has had quite a career he's, he's had a lot of a lot of ups a lot of downs uh, a lot of mediums and and it's it's all here and like you said jeff like it's it's very well written it's funny um it's it really is it really is a great book we're not laying it on thick here so um yeah yeah i told jeff i told i remember mentioned to jeff before before the book came out like should do Tim, you know, you only talked about the one record with Tim. We should really have Tim, you know, he's got this book. And then, uh, and then Jeff forgot about it. And then uh, <laughs> I reminded him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, there was the holidays. So there was that. <laughs> but True. It's definitely been on our short list, right? So I, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, no, great. I don't know what kind of list you guys keep going, but, uh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We, no, we actually do have one. So, yeah. Okay. Trust, trust me. Yeah, so, Soraya, I said to Jeff, I go, look, I know you're a slow reader, but this book's been out a couple months. We need to get this. <laughs> we do have a list, though. We keep track of it. Oh, there's a list. No. <laughs> People are going to zoom in. People are going to see if they're on the list. Um, no, no, great. So, Ronnie, thanks for I ha love having you on. Absolutely. For, for, as our third. See, I keep Aww. wanting to say something that sounds right in my head, but I know Ronnie Barnett's going to twist it. 
<laughs> so I was you, gonna say, I like having you got, on as a third member. And then I got, a, <laughs> I got a bad rep. I know, I know. No, 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 no I, not I, a bad rep, an honest rep. I really, <laughs> no, I really appreciate you guys letting me, uh, let me hop on board on, on these because uh, these are, you know, these are, I, I said it before, but these are, these are my heroes as well. And um, yeah, I, I love, I love talking to people. I love, I love talking to people, meeting people and hanging with you guys, of course. And, you know, maybe there's 10 people that watch it that appreciate it. And, you know, for all of more us. Than that. <laughs> We're number 200 podcast in Norway. Whoa. Really? Yes, we are. I, nice. I think we moved up to 94, Soraya. Oh, excuse me. We're number 94 oh. in Norway. So Ooh, we should more than we should 10. do a festival. We should do a Paisley Stage Festival in Norway. Woo. We are the number we are the 94th top episode of Paisley Podcast based out of California, Southern California in Norway. <laughs> or at wow. least at, at one town in Norway. Congratulations, so, you guys. Yeah. Thank you to the people of Norway. <laughs> um, but, but in Ronnie, all, yeah. I, I want to put a small parenthesis here. Ronnie, can we just ask you to plug? the record store day release sure Just oh yeah announced today announced today so now we can talk about it i know i was always i was like when do i announce this what and then i knew the list was coming out I, I i thought it was this week i knew it was this week or next week and uh and sure enough i woke up to uh jeff had posted uh and i was like oh i guess it's official now so um yeah so it's stay with me here it's a little confusing um i'll start with the fact that our our um fifth album really really happy from 2004 is getting reissued in may uh on omnivore recordings um i for some reason i thought i thought it was a double record it's not it's a single record but with a bonus seven inch um and that's going to be the vinyl version of it the two cd version of it is um what's included on the vinyl version which is the album and, and the bonus tracks that were uh on on foreign releases of it and then the second disc is a disc of um, an entire disc of, of Kim's demos uh, for the whole record, minus maybe two songs that made the record and plus a couple of songs that didn't make the record. Um, so, yeah. And so that that second disc of, of Kim's demos is being released a month early on Record Store Day as a vinyl standalone release. So if you want that on vinyl, Record Store Day release is going to be the thing. And uh, it's got a really beautiful um, cover. That's a selfie that Kim took. Um, I posted it today, uh, the cover. Um, yeah, and, and, and uh, I didn't show the back. The back is like, it's literally taken from this disc Kim made me. Um, um, uh, as I write, I was always a non-technical member and I didn't understand opening links or I, I didn't enjoy <laughs> I'd enjoy going on a computer and trying to learn a song, right? So, so I always requested burned disc. And so I had a big pile of like discs with like one and two songs. And right before we recorded, Kim made me this, this comprehensive disc, which you will all hear, um, of all the songs we were going to, you know, do. And, um, like I say, give or take one or two. Um, and as she wrote, she called it trashy. Uh, I always get mixed up on the words, trashy muffs, demos for Ronnie. Um, the graphic on the disc is like the, the Memorex CDR with her handwriting. Uh, she wrote all the songs on the little insert. And so the back of the record is all the songs written in her handwriting. Mm. Um, 
and yeah, and for the liner notes for that, I wrote it in the form of a letter to Kim and uh, just about about the release and carrying on without her a little bit. And uh, I'll try not to get choked up. But uh, yeah, it's our first. Uh, and if, uh, if anybody knows the band, uh, yeah, we're skipping a record in our reissue campaign, but it's because the label that owns it, Fat Records, won't um, license it to us. Um, so um, yeah. Maybe one day, maybe one day we can reissue our fourth record alert today, alive tomorrow, which is kind of our rarest record at this point. Um, but anyway, we've moved on. Really, really happy. So record store day, really. Uh, Kim Muffs record in April, record store day, and uh, it's and it's one record. It says two LP on the uh, record store day list, but if you click on it, it clearly says side one and side two. Um, and then uh, yeah, really, really happy in May. So the great omnivore recordings. Uh, as you know, one of the best, if not the best reissue label, uh, and they put out new stuff as well, of course, yeah. but uh, yeah, one of the best labels around. So they're still, the, uh, yeah. The record store day release is limited to 1200, I believe. When yeah, I thought it was a thousand, but it said, a, a, it said 1200. Again, being a musician, you don't know the technical stuff. Yeah, I guess there's 1200. So, um, you know, record That's store day is. Well. Beat somebody up, get your cup. Just, just find it online like soon after it comes out i'd say because uh you know i don't know i don't know that ours will be i don't mean to come off as modest but i am i don't know if ours is going to be the most sought after record on record store day but um you know you know how this stuff kind of hangs around sellers will have it at a decent price maybe for you know a week two month anyway i'm just saying get it because because once it's gone it's gone so yeah no i would suggest standing in line or be or waiting uh on your computer because i i definitely believe in my heart of hearts that this is going to be one that's going to be sought yeah, after you're gonna want this in your yeah collection. i mean anything like from bands that came out of that 90s period ronnie you know yeah stuff gets reissued um and you know the muffs are a well-known name so um we ain't the scroll nut zippers yeah but thank you <laughs> yeah i'm but gonna also, be waiting in line for this so no yeah. no thanks thanks you guys I, I wish i had a whole pile of them i could uh sell people but i i don't yeah i no, don't know um anyway <laughs> we're gonna want this though so and think what tim lee said he said uh i thought we were only gonna sell 50 and we yeah. capped it at 200 1200 copies and you know they're all distributed in varying numbers across the great land yeah don't like tim i mean i like to keep my expectations low and then be pleasantly surprised so now already uh my friend uh tom uh time bomb tom that runs a store in green bay said he's got emails about just our record like not surprised a couple already yeah 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 this just announced today so um Anyway, yeah, a lot of a lot of love, a lot of love um, online here for it. Um, so, and Paisley, uh, Paisley Underground related, Rain Parade, Explosions in the Glass Palace. There's going to be a reissue with Sad Eyes Kill included on that. So, um, yep, that that'll be another one that uh, that we'll be looking after. I'll buy that record as many times as it comes out. <laughs> Same, just like you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> there you go, there you go. All right, Ronnie, we love having you on. I know you have a big uh, day, afternoon, evening ahead. So we're not going to keep you from that. But thank you so <laughs> much again. 
no, for helping us with this uh, talk with Tim Lee. Thank you, Soraya. And thank you, Jeff. And thanks for having me. And I will, uh, I'll see y'all soon. Thanks, right. Ronnie. Appreciate you know where it. to find me. Okay. <laughs> I can well, figure out how to, there we go. Oh, <laughs> Let's just make the air. Where's the leave? There we go. Don't okay, worry. you guys. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, Soraya, thank you for, for, uh, for doing this. And, um, Tim Lee, man, what, what a cool dude. What a, what a great person, first of all. And also his, his enormously talented wife, Susan too. I mean, if, um, if you haven't listened to the Bark, uh, recordings, go get them. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. They're great. And, uh, you know, talking with Tim Lee, and, you know, I, I had to write it down the way he said it. He said, you know, there's a lot of joy. That it's the joy of making a racket with the people that you love. And one of the things that is really evident throughout the entire book is the love and respect that he has for music. And you you feel it, you sense it. And I wanted to add this one detail. So he he referred to Tuesdays in Pittsburgh, where these midweek gigs maybe just don't, have, you know, they're in places where maybe there's just not a lot of public to follow the show. So he refers to this one show, and there weren't a lot of people there. And one of the members of the band was very disappointed. And he says, uh-huh, we're going to go out and... and rock them yeah and he said in my mind there's a show i'm there i'm gonna rock every single body that's there if, even if it's just one and that is kind of this consistent philosophy that we hear that we see throughout the entire book is this is my music i'm gonna play it because i love it and one one thousand a million my job is to rock, uh, literally like rock their face off. <laughs> and, and you go, how can I not be behind a guy that says that to me? Absolutely. That tells me that. Yeah. I love music so much. All I want to do is play. And my wife likes it. So, you know, like she said, hey, you know what? I'm going to learn the bass. Boom. Here was one story I didn't want to tell because, uh, you know, it might put Mel Bay, <laughs> Mel Bay at I don't know, in a weird place, but he refers in the beginning of the book of wanting to learn the guitar. And where do you go? You go to start, right? You go to a Mel Bay book. Yeah. When I was a kid, my mom was driven to get me to play the guitar. And me and the guitar, we just don't jive. And I remember going to a guitar class with this Mel Bay book. And I'm like, oh, man, you don't want to know the things I thought about Mel Bay. <laughs> I hated it. But when I was reading the book and he goes, Mel Bay was my start. And then I broke free of that. And I'm like, see, I just didn't give Mel Bay enough time to push <laughs> me out the door. But yeah. I really like this, this talk with uh, Tim Lee. And again, his book, um, I saw a dozen phases and rocked them all. Um, available through various online sellers. Please go get it. Yes. You'll, you will not regret it. Yeah, and it's not that expensive. I mean, uh, under 20, I think fifth, yeah. under 15 maybe. So Great storyteller. And 
just a really, really good person. So absolutely I'm glad we had him on again. Agreed. Agreed. <sighs> Jeff, I hate to end it. We have to. Okay. Well, then mi gente, agroviar. Groove on, Paisley people. Now I can hear it. Look at it. <laughs> that's that's key. Yeah, that is definitely key, especially if there's going to be some questions involved. Well, I, you know, I can just nod my head a lot, or or just <laughs> give out some random answers, and then we'll 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 think of a question to go with the answers. There you go. <laughs> yeah, do it all in post op. Yeah, or you, or you just say the answers in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, buy the book. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. just read the there book. <laughs> So I'm a little disappointed that only half of us have beards on here. So, you know, give me a week. Yeah,